When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Welcome to Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer book club podcast where Marissa is queen, Captain is king, and I am your host, Bethany Finger. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Uh, today's special guest is from Stains on the Page podcast. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves and tell everyone a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Um, hi. <laughs> so, um, Eddie Zim and Evelyn is the the fun part. That's uh, us. We cover multiple different kinds of books. We we're trying to kind of branch out. So far, it's just been fiction. But um, yeah, I'm Evelyn. The librarian of the duo is what we've established. Yes, um, I am Eddie. Hi. Um, yeah, we talk about a lot of books on our show. It's usually like fantasy, young adult stuff, but we've been branching out a little bit into more like younger kid books or older, like fully adult books. So it's it's a lot of fun. We're pretty new to the podcasting game at this point, but hopefully we're doing a, an okay job. I think I still feel sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I still feel new and I'm at like two years, so... <laughs> I, yours is very well put together. I assure Thank you, it does you. not come off as new. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I still feel like I'm getting established. And then other times I'm like, nah, I got this. You know, it's just yeah. depends on my mood. <laughs> I mean, you have the approval mark of Marissa Meyer. I, I think know. That, in itself. that might be my greatest accomplishment in life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see why. <laughs> Um, so do you remember the first book you read by Marissa and how you found her books? Um, <laughs> you should probably first for this one, Evelyn. My first <laughs> yours. Well, that's probably because your answer is my fault. But um, <laughs> uh, it was definitely Cinder. And I, I think it was a book fair book. Uh geez like six years ago at this point and yeah I think it was at the fair and my teacher at the time had it as like you know this is one of my favorites that they have this year and I saw Cinderella which was my favorite princess growing up like little kids so I was like oh okay and yeah it definitely branched from there and then um, I'd heard about Cinder, like, that was my introduction, I guess. I'd heard about it for a couple of years before I actually read it. Didn't really seem like my thing, but a bunch of my friends were getting into it at the time. And eventually Evelyn pushed me to start reading it. I loved it. And then it all went downhill from there. <laughs> uphill. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. Uphill. uphill. <laughs> it went all uphill from there. <laughs> So, what are you currently reading right now? Um, I'm not currently reading anything, but I did just finish Instant Karma by Marissa Meyer. Oh, did you like it? I I really liked it. Good. 
different from a lot of the stuff she's written before, but so I don't think different. it's really that different. Right. What about um, you, Evelyn? Um. So, officially, I should be reading The Lair of Dreams by Libba Bray. It's the second book of the Diviner series, which I've been putting off for about a year at this point. Come, <laughs> yeah, come, like, August, I'm pretty sure it'll be a year. Uh, but unofficially, I keep re- I've been rereading the Six of Crows duology, which I should not be doing. <laughs> <laughs> I know it always feels guilty when you're rereading and then you have all these books that you haven't touched yet. (laughs) It's like I want to read them. I just, uh, I have no self-control. Right. (laughs) So right now I'm actually rereading as well in honor of Pride Month. I'm reading Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, which is like one of my favorite LGBTQ books. Um, And I haven't read it. I think it's been like three years since I read it the first time. So like reading it now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Eddie uh, actually I just int- that one. Yeah. Yeah. For once it was him getting me to read a book and not the other way around. And it was <laughs> I think I still have it actually. I don't think I returned it. But uh <laughs> oops. Now he's um, stealing. <laughs> to be fair, I have one of you his books that. at the moment and I'm pretty sure he has like six of mine. That is fun that you guys can share <laughs> books that well. Oh, it's literally when I say I'm a library, the, the librarian, I uh, I think you mentioned to us that you've read the Carnival trilogy, right? I have. So the immortal library is a thing. Um, and I created a Google document on our shared account called the immortal library, where I just put a list of the books that I have. Oh, and every once wonderful. in a while he comes and gets a book book box <laughs> we um myself because i'm a librarian and then i have several like patreon members and fellow podcasters that are also librarians so you are in good company <laughs> that's that's good pretty enough. cool the real deal not just the one person Simon <laughs> <laughs> versus the homo sapiens agenda is one of my favorite books though oh i it makes me laugh it makes me cry it makes me want a big hug like i love it (laughs) all right so (laughs) let's talk about some fan art for today this is from june 11th and it's by eern arts and it's channery the queen with her perfect little princess celine um and i love it it's like one of the few moments where we get to see channery being like a real person Mm-hmm. And not just the evil <laughs> queen that she is. Right. It's just, I don't understand people that actually do fan art. Like, you can just go down the rabbit hole of, for mm-hmm. any books. There's always just someone that, people are very talented. <laughs> <laughs> I know, me too, because I can't draw for anything. So sometimes I'm like, I have a really good like image in my head of what this is, but I have no way to share that with the world. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was really hopeful for my uncle is like he's an actual artist. He does more like sculpting than drawing, but he can draw very well and I got none of it. Meanwhile, my 11-year-old cousin can draw has been like copying his stuff. <laughs> and it's almost exact. 
Yeah, my my mother and my sister, Lindsay, are both very talented artists, and I've actually recruited them. The book that I'm writing right now takes place at a summer camp, and I was like, I really want a map of the summer camp. So I've been like sending them details while we're trying to to draw it out ourselves since I can't I can't draw worth my life it's like oh, a circle awesome. and it says like pond and then there's like an, a square <laughs> and it's like this is where the trees are like <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna do a much better job than I would any book with a map automatically yes. makes it like so much better absolutely yeah. and I, I feel like when you go to a camp they give you a map so mm-hmm. as the reader you should get it too oh yeah that's, really that's good a good people. point the art is so good. Yeah, I I love artists, and we've shared E E R N arts before, and always gotten a lot of really great positive feedback. So I'm I'm always happy when I I message an artist, and I'm like, can I please share this? And they're like, sure. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'll message someone, and they're like, I don't allow reposting, and I'm like, if I repost it, Marissa will see it, and they're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's it's a good way to convince people. (laughs) Yeah, you have the ultimate bartering chip. I'm like I'm gonna name drop Marissa just in case because I really want (laughs) to share this particular art. But um, yeah, she always sees the ones that I post because she she follows me on Instagram. And every once in a while, she'll message me and she'll be like, "Oh my goodness, I feel like I need a print out of this." And I'm like, "I know, some of these are just amazing." That's awesome. I'm very blessed. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a very, very lucky person. Yes. You get to casually name drop Marissa Meyer. I know. <laughs> I feel very lucky. She she name dropped me once in an episode of The Happy Writer, and I just about died. Um, <laughs> I felt super special. That's, I feel like I would just, my brain would completely just shut down. She's a really <laughs> kind and down-to-earth person, so it makes it much easier to see her as a person and not like the celebrity that I idolized for so long. <laughs> right. Still idolize her, but now I feel like I she deserves it even more now that I know she's a genuine, kind person. You can, you can do not like people trying to ruin Ellen DeGeneres for me over the last year. <laughs> it's like, oh, jeez. I was like, I always loved Ellen. This is so unfair. If anybody ruins Taylor Swift or Michelle Obama, I'm never leaving my room. <laughs> Taylor Swift isn't going anywhere. Thank Taylor. you. I can't not have Taylor. Human <laughs> being. That's a that's a hill I'll die on for sure. Nobody's no. perfect except for Taylor Swift. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's like two people reading thoughts right out of my brain. <laughs> It's no, she's not going anywhere. I'm not mm-hmm. even admittedly the biggest fan. I don't, I haven't followed very closely the past few years, but just seeing there's no way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like super fan girly, you know. I think there are, there are people who are far more dedicated than I am, you know, in terms of like purchasing, going to all the concerts, running like Swifty accounts on Instagram and stuff, but. Uh, I, I'm definitely a big fan. I've been a fan ever since her first album, and I have no shame. None at all. <laughs> I'm not even that into, like, her music or anything. She just seems like a really, like, cool, genuine person. Yeah, that's kind of how my husband is. Like, he doesn't really care, except he's married to a Swifty. But, <laughs> you know, every once in a while, he'll say something 
very like super tailored. Like when the folklore album came out and she did the cardigan music video, he watched it with me and he's like, I realize that everyone's going to talk about like the twinkling lights and stuff, but I just want to say that she looks really comfortable and I would totally wear that nightgown. Like, <laughs> and then whenever she did the like the the Disney Plus Pond Studio thing, he was like, "Seriously, she just looks really comfy. Like, I would totally wear a giant flannel t shirt all the time." And I'm like, "I yeah. know, oh, yeah. it looks really cozy." <laughs> she's she's kind of reverted back to her roots, which is actually I love, really yeah. cool. It is really cool. I loved all of her stuff though. Like, I think my music genre preferences changed just because hers did you know like there's for a long time there I didn't really listen to pop music and then she was like I'm gonna make pop records and I'm like well we know I'm gonna listen to it so (laughs) (laughs) it might make me branch out a little bit too dedication yeah I probably she's like my only auto by artist just like Marissa is my only auto by author (laughs) right I don't think I have any of those i've never been like particularly attached to music author definitely i mean marissa meyer mm-hmm. for sure i don't really know if there's a specific probably lee bardugo at this point but i think anything by alan stone has got to be pretty good he's one of my favorite like recent artists have you ever heard of alan stone i have not me neither it's, so good. it's like sort of like he does a lot of different stuff but most of it's like rock slash RMB kind of thing. I don't know if it's necessarily your thing, but it's super good. My thing is all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I have everything from Apocalyptica to the Tangled soundtrack on my phone. <laughs> wow. So it really just depends on like whatever mood I'm in. Because uh, there's, there's a ridiculous genre eclecticity to my, my iPhone. <laughs> If I put it on shuffle, my mood would change very frequently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to put together a playlist of my top 100 songs and the emotional whiplash from like... <laughs> from like Pumped Up Picks to When I'm 64 by the Beatles is... Yes. <laughs> are you... Are you... I have to ask, though. Are you including... Like your show tune favorites too, because oh, I made a rule for myself: no show tunes. Oh gosh, I couldn't do that. Ah, uh, okay. Which is why I only have eighty-one songs in the playlist right now. Right. <laughs> that's. I was already like, thinking of top songs asking. like besides Taylor, and I was like, yeah, like pretty much everything from the TV show Smash would probably want. I would probably want to put on there mm-hmm. too, just because I loved the, especially the Hitless uh, music. Mm-hmm. What TV show? Uh, it was called Smash. It came out several years ago. Yeah, it was like an old NBC thing about like Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it had Megan Hilty, um, Lamar. Oh gosh, all these names are falling out of my head. Um, Leslie Odom Jr., Deborah Messing. Whoa. Oh, who's no, the other I girl? Heard of it. Ka- Catherine McPhee, I want to say, was her name. I don't uh, know. Just lots of lots of people. Christian Boyle, I think, was on there. Huh. I'm going to look up Smash Actors because I'm forgetting my favorite one. And I know it's like... Um, y- you would think I know it's Jeremy something. Favorite. Jeremy Jordan. Jeremy Jordan, who oh. I adore. Um, and then, of course, Angelica Houston, who's like the epitome of acting. I love her. 
Yeah, lots of really cool people. It's a it's a really good show, and luckily it's only like two seasons long, so it's not too much of a commitment, you know. You don't I know some people. Sometimes people are like, "You should read this book series," and I'll have like eighteen books, and I'm like, "I can't commit to that right now." Oh well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, at one point, like a couple years ago, where briefly I entertained the idea of getting into the Warrior Cats books. Oh, I kind of want to because they're so popular and I feel like I need to know why because I've looked into it and it's basically like cat army in the woods versus another cat army. And I'm like, I as a children's librarian, like as that's my future goals to be a children's librarian, I feel like at some point I have to read those books. It's just a disjustification Mm -hmm. if I don't. It's just there are so many and they're like split up into series that are like Mm -hmm. completely from each other there's like a bear one and a wolf one and like yeah. a, a a big cat one and then like a little cat one and it's like it's so much, <laughs> so much characters. yeah i feel like i would probably have an excel sheet to try and keep track of all the characters <laughs> i i don't know warrior cats besides uh eddie going off about it but my friend recommended it's been a few years at this point the throne of glass series to me and she was saying, she's like, I love the series. It's my favorite series. Please read it. She's like, you can just get the first book and see if you like it. And I've had it, but then I found out that it's like 12 books. Oh. So I haven't read it because if I like it, then that causes a whole other issue. That's how I feel about Mortal Instruments. That's another one. That, I'm big uh, yeah. into Mortal Instruments, but I, I understand like it's very difficult to get into. Oh, no, I haven't tried to get into it. I just saw how many books was in the series, and I was like, that's going to have to wait until after grad school. That's, that's yeah. not something I can accomplish right now. They're long books, too. Yeah. I, I struggle sometimes during grad school with being able to read as much as I'd like. So I I try to avoid committing to any series that are more than like four or five books, just because I know I won't have the time to buzz through them the way I would want to. No, right. yeah, you have the right idea of splitting all your podcast episodes into like 10 page segments instead of doing entire books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've done entire books sometimes for Patreon as like bonus episodes. And it's like, how do you decide what to cover, you know? Like, I, I mean, think, like we did um, Frozen. My sister and I did Frozen as like a bonus episode. And my notes were like, it was like 24 pages typed up on Word document. I was like, I cannot squeeze this into like a one hour episode. You're going to have to keep me in check the whole time. <laughs> I, I, the only thing that I would think like keeping to one author is I'd just be really first of all i feel like if it was broken up we, we have a tendency for tangents for sure mm-hmm. um same <laughs> What's happening? it would just get worse I, I work on them but sometimes it gets away from me for sure yeah we honestly it seemed a really good idea for us to start the podcast together and it is but at the same time when we recorded the first episode going into it we didn't consider the fact that we that's what we bring out in each other is just distraction <laughs> so, so that sentence as it seemed like a good idea <laughs> I had to clarify I felt bad as soon as I said it it is I was really worried about that with my my husband and I did a bonus episode for Patreon 
And it was the first time he'd ever been a guest before. So he was like, he took notes really thoroughly. And anytime he like started a tangent with me, he was like, no, 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 we're not doing that for today. We can't have our normal like scatterbrained conversation where we go all over the place. We have to like stay on point. And I'm like, I mean, people don't really care. (laughs) My Patreon team is pretty much used to it at this point. And they're just really excited to finally have you on an episode. (laughs) That makes it interesting. Yeah. Welcome to Taylor Swift Fan Podcast. <laughs> I would do that with you. That would be another podcast I would definitely commit to. <laughs> I did a Taylor Swift bonus episode for Valentine's Day, and I think it ended up being like over two hours long. And it was basically just like, I love this song because of this. Yeah. And I love this song because of this. Yeah, me too. Also this song. like. <laughs> and then we tried to apply it to like TLC ships and characters and books and stuff. But it was basically just ranting about Taylor Swift for two hours. I love people that can do that, like attach songs to characters or or just moods in general. Our our friend uh, has a very like a talent for it, which sounds really weird, but she just knows how to put together a playlist for any situation. And she ha- she shared like. A point of view you're the villain and point of view you're the main character and they're like my favorite playlist at the moment <laughs> yeah that's what I love so much about choosing song titles for episodes because I feel like music is something that's so important to me and I know Marissa makes a playlist for every book and actually I do that when I write stuff too just like because when you're not writing it keeps you in that frame of mind and it keeps you sort of um, sort of inspired while you're motivating to keep writing and stuff. So I was like, we have to find a way to incorporate music into the series. And the first book, we didn't do chapter titles. And then at the end, someone suggested, one of our listeners suggested we do them friends themed because friends always started with the one with or the one where or something like that. And then at the end, um, there was a lot of people that were like, we've never watched friends and we kind of felt left out. And so I was like, well, Grey's Anatomy Right, uh, the title of all of their episodes is after a song. So I always loved that concept. So mm. that's part of why we started doing that as a way to title it. And then plus like having multiple people come up with songs that introduces you to new music and new artists. And I've always loved that inclusion that we started. It's a really nice idea. I, I was super excited when you mentioned it. Yeah, it it makes things super fun. And I love finding new songs and new artists, which is a a good way to do that. Speaking of, let's talk about last week, uh, Patreon members voted for chapter titles, which we don't have, but page sections, basically. (laughs) So pages 104 to 114 is I Will Possess Your Heart by Death Cab for Cutie. Pages 114 to 120 is Kids Aren't All Right by Fall Out Boy. Nice. Oh, for some reason, I didn't one. include the the on, but I knew it was there, so it's fine. I, uh, your height. I will possess your heart. Sounds like it was made for this. Right? Some songs, like, it just, it, it speaks to me. Like, whoever came up with that one. That was me. I did that one. <laughs> so today we are going to talk about pages 121 and 134, or 2134. I cannot talk today, you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Last week, we left off with Lavana forcing Everett to marry her. 
Mm-hmm. And Channery, Channery's not very happy about it. And she also revealed that she is um, with child. So we start off with Lavana kind of explaining what's been going on. She's been trying to get pregnant. Everett and Winter, they live in the palace, but Lavana still sleeps in her own room and in her own bed because she's terrified to lose her her glamour and let Everett see her, her true appearance. And she's been using her gift to keep him asleep so that he doesn't see it. This sounds exhausting, first of all. Um, But she's really hoping that the marriage is going to improve with time and that she'll, she'll be able to bond with winter, even though she hasn't yet. Um, Everett is refusing to be a prince. He wants to keep his job as a guard. I mean, this is a really nice insight into how their marriage has started because this is the beginning stages of their marriage and it, it should be like fun you know, you're getting to know, my husband and I didn't live together before we got married. So we got to experience a lot of new things when we moved in together. Like oh, how, wow. like how for some reason he leaves all the cabinet doors open because he thinks it's stupid to close a door. <laughs> you're going to open again later. <laughs> That's a habit that I've, I've thankfully broken because it kills me. I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, That's- point of doors though i know right i'm like well think about how dusty it'll get in there and he's like okay i'll close it like, <laughs> but he's like that with drawers too like he won't close the drawers in his dresser because he's like well i'm just gonna open them tomorrow when i get dressed and it's like no we close the drawers this mm-hmm. is borderline oh. lunacy that you think this way we're closing the drawers <laughs> especially but- with like dresser drawers you like end up like you get hit with I'm too clumsy to leave that kind of stuff out like yeah I I don't need any more fuel to the fire we keep this (laughs) I'm gonna be walking around I need as much space for error as possible yes absolutely (laughs) absolutely so I was just thinking about like in the beginning stages of marriage, I think that there's a lot of like getting to know each other more than you already did before and lots of fun, you know, you get to buy new furniture and you get to decorate things and you get to be like, well, this is how we would do things because this is our house now. So we get to, we get to decide how to arrange it. We get to decide what the rules are. Like if we want to have pizza for breakfast, we're grown ups and we can do that and things like that. And instead, Lavana is like, well, I need to get pregnant uh, I need to keep Everett asleep. I need them to sleep in a different section so they don't see what I look like. I need to make sure my marriage improves as we keep going. I need to bond with winter somehow. And it just mm-hmm. seems exhausting and not fun at all. Yeah, like you, you said, like the whole thing of this is how we do things differently now that we're together in a single space. Mm-hmm. But it's not, that, that isn't really present here because Everett just moves into where Lavana is already living and nothing changes. Yeah, it just he just kind of adopts that section and that's yeah. kind of it. Like he just he just takes up that space. Which is fair considering it's not mutual necessarily, which means but it's not mutual at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> not a great relationship. It's really no. not. It's really not. No, it's a little uh it's just consent is is it exists on Luna, right? <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, but you know, this is one area, perhaps the only, where Channery is actually a lot better than Lavana because she finds it despicable that Lavana uses her gift 
and mm-hmm. not like her charms as a woman to get to get a man to love her and be interested in her. And I don't necessarily, I, I disagree with Channery because Channery is making it about like being lustful and desirable, but I don't disagree that like, there's something really wrong about using your gift to accomplish that goal. Absolutely. It's terrible. Yeah. That's when you know it's bad is when you, when both like you agree with the one that's usually worse off. Yeah. And we talked last episode about consent a lot because I pointed out that I don't think the first time Everett and Lavana had sex, it was consensual. Mm-mm. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like we can ignore that. And I know I mentioned that and a lot of people were like, I never made that connection before. No, like you yeah. see Everett wakes up afterwards. And right. Horrified. And he's like shocked that it happened. He's like, I don't know what happened. Did I take advantage of you? I don't. You're 16. I'm 25. What is going on? And it was all Lavana's gift. It's kind of like it comes off differently because I think she didn't fully it wasn't like she took control and had to it's like she progressively lets her gift watch her wash over him which is even worse because then it almost yeah, makes it's it like a, it's like a mental manipulation she didn't make his yeah. body do certain things she didn't make his physical body move in certain ways but she manipulated his mental state of mind and his emotions to to get that experience i feel like it's kind of weird reading this because obviously luna's such a different environment than present day earth Mm -hmm. but it's i had to like constantly remind myself like age laws do exist lavana is underage she's 16 this is terrible I think like, I think what terrible. makes it super terrible is Lavana is very naive and immature and childish. And that's not the case with every 16-year-old, but it's definitely the case here. Because I don't necessarily think that like 18 is some magic number. And as soon as you hit 18, you're like a mature and capable adult. Obviously. I think everyone matures <laughs> in different ways based off of their like life experiences and their personality and stuff. But we definitely have the case of like a mature man who was married for several years and just had a baby and is very committed to his job. And then a child who doesn't understand the consequences of her actions. It never even occurred to her to ask the name of his daughter or to, you know, take care of the nanny because they were together all night. So his daughter was essentially left out of care when she was supposed to be cared for by her father. Like she's just very naive. Mm hmm. I mean, I feel like that goes back to the general idea of just she's she's spoiled is mm-hmm. the best word for it. She has never had any kind of consequence for anything because there's no reason to. Like she's the princess of Luna. If anything goes away that she doesn't want it to, then she has some kind of power to request someone's death. Yeah, I mean, she comes from a very real place of, of privilege. And it's obvious how, like, unready Lavana is for any of this. Like, mm-hmm. in the scene from the last segment before, right after Solstice's death, where they first, like, heavy air quotes, get together. Mm-hmm. She's, like, making moves on this guy immediately after his wife died, and she doesn't see the issue with that. And she has this idea in her mind that this is what he wants. 
Well, she thought that after Solstice died, he would leave the hospital and come home with Lavana, and that's where their relationship would start. Mm-hmm. Like that alone shows the naivety of any situation. She was definitely under the delusion that he was interested in her prior. So she's like, oh, this is a good thing. You know, he only hasn't acted on it because he's loyal. Um, And he was married and now he's not married anymore. And that must be fate, right? Yeah, (laughs) obviously. That's 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 really pushing it. Yeah. (laughs) It's really interesting how like throughout the book, it happens several times. But you can see Lavana over the course of like a couple pages or a couple chapters convincing herself of some fantasy that she made up, like mm-hmm. thoroughly believing it and then acting on it. What do you think of her her wanting to bond with Winter? Especially because we know from reading Crest that they don't seem to have a positive relationship. Uh, that's... It doesn't seem super genuine to me. Her think, wanting to bond? Yeah, I think it's either that's she wants to be Winter's mother because that solidifies her place in Everett's life. Mm-hmm. And so she thinks that because she's Winter's mother now, they should get along. Or she wants to get along with Winter as a way to connect more with Everett. I agree. Because he spends it's- so much of his time with Winter. It's a lot of kind of a, a seesaw perspective, just because it's definitely not good in the sense of she's only doing it because she believes that uh, if she bonds with Winter, then he'll ever it will like her more and appreciate what she's doing. And so it's for her own personal gain, which obviously is not good. But then from the other standpoint, it's there's the very very little bit where I'm kind of like at least she's kind of making an like it's not for the right reasons, but as someone that has split parents and like having it's not quite a stepmother but something of that sort and still making an attempt even if it's not for the selfish reasons, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that part of it too is she's still trying to replace Solstice. <laughs> She still has it in her head that she needs to be better than Solstice so that she can eclipse her memory altogether. And I think part of her way of achieving that is going to be that she's the only mother that Winter's ever known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not going about it the right way at all. So speaking of motherhood, Channery is actually a very enthusiastic mother. She had a, a glowing baby girl and... She's she's really happy. She seems to actually genuinely care about her baby. Like she actually hangs out with her and spends time with her. She is like attentive to her. And it's not just that like, oh, I had a baby and now it goes to the nannies, right? No, yeah. Cherry actually- being a, a caring mother is the biggest twist in this book. <laughs> right? I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that that was a big plot point for me that I was just like, oh, okay. Just the idea that they it's not even just the fact that she's spoiled and you don't expect it because of that. It's also the fact that you know that they didn't really have a good relationship with their own parents and their own mother didn't really take care of them. So it's like, where did it actually come from? Mm -hmm. If that's not really anything that she was around. 
The thing I, I keep thinking about that doesn't super make sense is what's the how come Channery's baby, how come Celine is so much more trusting or whatever of Channery than Winter is of Lavana? Well, Lavana mentions that she wonders if the glamours don't work as well on babies and so they can see what she really looks like and they're fearful of her appearance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I, I would say that, though, I, I worked with infants for a long time and I taught preschool and one of my degrees that I have is in early childhood education and development. And babies don't necessarily have a fearfulness of what images are until it's introduced to them. They've never seen these images before. Why would they be fearful of it, right? That's why we say that certain mannerisms and behaviors are are learned, not something that you're born with. And I feel like multiple things. One, and I don't mean this to say anything against like surrogacy or adoption, but one, there is a very real sense of bond and connection when you carry a baby in your womb. There's like a hormonal um, scent that the baby can attach to the mother. It's the same thing with breastfeeding. It's another way of them to bond together. And two, I genuinely think that the baby can tell that Lavana isn't genuine and that she genuinely feels uncomfortable. Like we look at her with Celine right now and she feels uncomfortable. She doesn't even want to touch her. She doesn't want to pick her up. She like tries to bounce her on her lap and she feels awkward. And then when the baby starts screaming, she doesn't know what to do. And it just makes her really uncomfortable. And I think that the babies can sense that, that discomfort. It's almost the same sense as saying that an animal of some kind can smell fear like they may not really Mm -hmm. recognize what it is or what it looks like for a human but there's some kind of other level of understanding Mm -hmm, i agree and i'm not like a scientist i'm not perfect you know so (laughs) this might all be just bad information so anyone listening if you have better explanations i'd love to hear them you can email me at princekitefanpod at gmail.com this is all based off of my my own personal education and experiences and i genuinely think babies are smarter than we give them credit for and babies rely a lot on their senses they can't communicate with their voice they rely a lot on their screens like like people will tell you that when they spend time with their baby they can recognize the screen that means hunger the screen that means i want to be held the screen that means i need to be changed because they They spend enough time around them that they understand when the baby makes different noises. That's how the babies are communicating because they don't have a voice yet. It's very similar to how how dogs might communicate by whimpering or barking or growling. They don't necessarily have a voice. And so those actions are how they communicate with people. And, you know, Channery, when the baby cries, she knows like, oh, she just wants to be held. Like that's her hold me cry. But Lavana just feels uncomfortable with the whole thing. I feel like even... I definitely feel like that's part of it for sure. But then at the same time, I kind of question the idea of the glamour not working on them. Because they mention that you're not supposed to use a glamour on a child because it can mess with their development. So they avoid doing so. But then at the same time, if you're putting up a glamour in front of them, is that not something kind of similar? I mean, I don't think that mess- it- that 
affects the the mind as much as like full mind control would. Because if you're putting up a glamour, it's just the like visual part of the person's brain instead of like complete control. But if it comes from the same ability and say that a glamour doesn't work on a child, then why would the manipulation work if it's coming from the same like I I don't know. I I I I can't I think because the way that the glamours work is they manipulate the bioelectricity of someone's mind. Perhaps babies and young children haven't fully developed their bioelectrical signature or whatever it's called. And so that's why it's harmful to glamour them because they're still developing. And that's why it might not work so well if you're trying to glamour your appearance to them because they haven't fully developed that bioelectric um, connection. Yeah. And so there's not as much, there's not as tangible of a electric surge to manipulate. And I'm making all this up as I go. So I have no idea <laughs> if it's accurate, but uh, it kind of makes sense. No, no it does. My- I especially considering I couldn't remember for the life of me, uh, just the idea of how it actually functioned, the glamour. I just, all I had in my head is like, I know it involves the same kind of idea, but the bioelectricity, that's what it, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and it says they were not supposed to manipulate young children as studies suggested that too much tampering when they were so tiny and impressionable could disrupt the way their brains formed. So I, I could see that being why why it, it wouldn't work as well. But she does suggest that she could make her stop crying. Yes, so I, I don't know. It's very vague. It's almost as if it's... Mm. It's almost as if the like a child's bioelectric signature or whatever it would be called being weaker has different effects depending on the actual situation. Like it's more harmful because it's weaker, so it will take over more if you try and manipulate the child itself. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, if you're just technically manipulating your own appearance, then it doesn't play off their signature as well and it's not received because it's weaker it's like i I imagine the reason that it could affect the development of the child is it's like those first couple first like two years of your life super developmental any change that you make to how the baby's mind is working during that time is going to have a huge impact Mm -hmm. but like there's a difference between When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Changing what the baby is seeing in front of them and changing, like, how their brain is functioning. Yeah, and I think that difference might be the key element that we're missing a good explanation for. And this is one of those things that if I were to ask Marissa, I can almost hear her telling me, Bethany, you're thinking about this more than I did. Because there's plenty of times where I'm like, what about this? And she's like, I don't think I went into that much thought when I made that. I was just like 
this will make it interesting, you know? So yeah. And, and we can move on. I know people listening are probably like, we get it, babies move on, but it is, <laughs> it, it is interesting to, to try and theorize our own explanation of, of these characteristics, because I think all of these elements that we've discussed are at play and I think all of them combined is what causes babies to be distrustful of Lavana. Right. All right. So we also find out that a man named Dr. Darnell, if anybody forgot, that's also Dr. Erland, wink, wink. Um, and his <laughs> wife is pregnant. And this is the first time we get a confirmation for exactly how old Cress is. Cress, in this situation, Cress would have been born in... 110 te so she's 16 when we meet her in her in crest in book three um so the woman is over 50 which is why it's crazy that she's pregnant and it is killing lavana that other people are pregnant and she's not honestly like, i f- <laughs> feel like she feels like everyone is pregnant except for her she even goes to the doctor and the doctor is like okay calm down it's fine Give it some time. It happens. It's, uh, I mean, I, it's kind of just thinking about it. It almost seems uh, unbelievable just because you have even just like the 50 year old woman instead of, I mean, Lavana's technically at like peak of puberty. Mm hmm. So you would think that, you know, almost more susceptible in a way, but at the same time, it's just, it seems like something is going on and she's not questioning, hey, maybe there's another issue. No, everyone's just against me somehow. Yeah, I I don't want to say that there's some like outside source or cause, because really we only see two counterexamples of other people getting pregnant. And that doesn't seem like a lot to base a theory off of. Right. It is possible that something is making it so that she isn't getting pregnant. There's a lot of factors that can go into difficulties in getting pregnant. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't happen and we don't get an explanation for it. And that's true of real life. And Mm -hmm. so... You know, I, I feel like she's just, again, this is her desire to replace Solstice and give Everett, well, now you have one of my babies too. So, you know, I think that's what her real motivation is. And for all we know, Everett was like secretly getting a vasectomy or something. <laughs> I, I don't even know. think about that. That's actually I don't know if that's true, but it's possible that he was like, I am not having one of those babies. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's looking to, maybe Everett wouldn't do that just because he's so kind, but it could happen. I I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, you don't, it's already I mean, been a rough road for him. Yeah, it seems like, like you said, that just because he's so nice that, you know, he almost wouldn't necessarily intentionally refuse if she wanted a kid that bad. If, if he didn't realize that it was maybe all for the wrong reasons right but at the same time i never considered that being a possibility and that would explain a lot so the only good thing that's come out of this is that sometimes lavana gets to go to the court for channery because channery just can't be bothered now that she is pregnant and afterwards (laughs) when she has the baby um so she gets to go to court and she gets to play queen 
And I think that this is where she starts feeling even more so her motivation that she deserves to be queen, that she's the queen Luna needs, and that she has to get that by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So we transition here and Channery and Lavana are at a meeting. Um, basically a, they're like on the decoration committee for this anniversary party. Um, and Channery wants the room to sparkle. And it's just another example of the ludicrous luxury that is the Luna capital. There's ice cubes in the shape of crowns. Like yeah. that is insane to me. Why do they have to be in the shape of crowns? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's like something else that they even you like do a moon. uh, I was going to say that too. Wouldn't a moon and stars be better? It would be easier too. You would think like less like indents or whatever you want to call them. Especially like though, I feel like if a moon and a star started to melt, you would still kind of sort of keep the shape. Whereas a crown, it would almost be gone instantly. Yeah, because you'd lose, like, the, I don't know what they're called, but the, the pointy parts. The tines. Yeah, that, yeah. that word. <laughs> yeah, all right. So Channery also kind of throws, like, a temper tantrum in this moment. She throws food at the wall and demands that they do better, and she gets really upset and really worked up, and this is where she starts coughing. And this is when we talked earlier about Easter eggs, right? This is an Easter egg. She starts coughing. She says it's just a virus. But by the end of our discussion today, she will have died from said coughing. So, like, that would be a small Easter egg of, like, why is she coughing? Well, um, (laughs) in my experience, a cough has never meant surviving to the end of the book. Right. It always makes me think of um, going back to the TV show Friends. There's an episode where Phoebe pretends to be sick and she's dying. And she's like, "Uh uh to convince people that she's dying. And Chandler's like, yeah, she's dying of a cough, apparently. Like, he points out how ludicrous it is that, like, a simple cough means you're dying. Yeah, that's right. I do. Yeah. (laughs) It's when he ends his proposal episode with Monica. I do always love that part, though, because it's like it's like somebody hinting at like, we get it. This is ludicrous. But what else are we going to (laughs) do? You have to work with what you have. (laughs) Exactly. It's hard to improvise on the spot. You think sick and like sneezing and coughing is the first thing. Right. It's like the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So Channery leaves because she's having her little coughing fit. And Celine is left with Lavana. So <laughs> Lavana is trying. We also find out right now it's about mid-July, uh, just by simple math. Uh, Lavana is <laughs> trying to calm Celine down. So she takes her outside. She's, she's cooing with her. And it's just not working. And she starts thinking about how she's also been trying to connect with with Everett and it's not working. She she tried to take him on a boat ride, but he only cares about winter. And it's actually been a really long time since Lavana and Everett spent any time together. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's also interesting, like that they're freshly married 
and they don't spend any time together. But considering the circumstances, understandable though. Like <laughs> on on one but, side of it, for his side. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that at this point, Lavana isn't making him spend time with her. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, she's she's starting to feel frustrated at how much work she has to put in. She's just like, why don't you just love me already? Just like, mm-hmm. you know, be my husband. Do what you're supposed to do as my husband. This is ridiculous. I think she's getting tired. Like, I think that's what a lot of, the, like you were saying earlier. It's exhausting. It's a lot of work yeah. to do what she's been doing. Just... Like, if you're a kid, it's one thing to, you know, any of them hold their glamour through the entire day, but then to also be sending him different emotions over a period of time and then keeping him asleep. And like, that just, I can see where the frustration would come from, but it's not really valid because she shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah. She got herself into this mess. And it, it takes a yeah. toll on her. She she tells she's worried that Celine will end up being just like Channery, and she knows that she would make a better queen than Channery, which means she would also make a better queen than Celine. Mm-hmm. But Lavana is just a princess with a guard for her husband and a child that doesn't even have royal blood. And she she I think takes that to heart. That might be another reason why she's trying to get pregnant so bad, so she can have a child with royal blood as well, a child that's just hers, the child of a queen of a princess, and not just the child of a guard and a, a seamstress. Mm-hmm. But it all of it seems to be taking a toll on the already mental fragility that is Lavana and her her brain. And here's what's really terrifying. She thinks for a moment that in order to get the baby to stop crying, she could drop her off the balcony. (laughs) It would get the baby to stop crying. I'm not going to disagree with how physics work, but this is disturbing. Yes. It's no wonder she can't connect with these babies. Her first thought when they start crying is I could kill you and then you wouldn't cry at all. Yeah. um, She's definitely got a few screws loose. And it's just completely confirmed at the fact that, you know, she's considering dropping her niece, even not even just like a random baby. It's her niece over a balcony just to get her to be quiet. And then also so she doesn't have to deal with her taking the throne one day. Right. Completely normal thoughts. Of course. (laughs) Like at this point in the book, it's not even that surprising. It's not. Lavana has issues, as we talked about. So it's not super surprising. You're right. That just seems... I mean, it doesn't seem so much like an extreme knowing what she does in the Lunar Chronicles. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like she's 16. I mean, mean, usually if you read... At this point, since she was 16. Yeah, she's about 17 now. Oh wow! Okay. I thought. Well, but, she's well, maybe not. No, she she might still she might be like sixteen and a half, but she is essentially like well, no. You need nine months to have a baby, and Selena is seven months old, so she would be seventeen by now at least. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting to me is like I think this is where we're starting to see the Lavana that we know. Yeah. The Lavana that wants to give an antidote for a price. The Lavana that 
that started the plague just so she could weaken earth and be queen someday. Like the calculating strategic mastermind that she thinks she is, is in there somewhere. And this is our first hints at how she wants to accomplish her goals. I think that was something kind of really surprising with this book is the fact that you, I feel like for other, I mean, obviously I haven't, you know, I could be missing some examples, but most of the villain origin sort of stories that I've read seem to have some kind of sympathy for the villain almost. Yeah, it's like a redemption arc. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing. And I thought like when it first started off and, you know, she's a, she's a teenager i figured oh like this is where and at no point was i like okay i kind of see why she went down this road mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just you can't like you, you can tell that she's going the path that she's going down from the beginning of the book like at, in on some level which is like di- sort of different from a lot of the ones i've read before like evelyn was saying where it seems like the villain or the eventual villain is like a fine, maybe a little rude person for most of the book. And then suddenly shifts to being pure evil right at the end. Yeah. It's not even complete evil. Like she genuinely has some kind of, there's something not entirely stable in her mind to put it nicely. (laughs) Yeah. Part of that can be put on, like, her upbringing and childhood and everything. Mm-hmm. But even then, like, beyond, like, trauma and terrible parents, I'm not sure she was ever, like, fully there. Maybe, well... I don't know. Yeah, it's, she's definitely delusional. Yeah. Chinari doesn't seem to be all that nice. Maybe she uh, messed with her brain. If she Chinari's older, right? Yeah, yeah. Chinari definitely like abused her like glamour and mental stuff when Lilana was a baby. And we definitely have seen that abuse throughout the first you know, 120 pages of this book alone. So we have to imagine it didn't start when she was 16. Chinari's mm. probably been treating mm. her like that since birth. So on a, uh, that whole idea of going over, you're not supposed to use uh, the gift on small children might just be the explanation. Lamana might be like living proof of the perfect example of that. Yeah. Likely. Yeah. There's definitely like a lot of different examples and mentions of things being like passed down from generation to generation, like either genetically or just by being around or raised by someone mm-hmm. like Lavana was made worse by her parents and Channery. And that just sort of keeps passing down. And eventually she starts to take that out on winter and Salim. It's just sort of like a cycle and it's, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. There's a lot of that in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking it almost makes me wonder if Celine would have grown up to be as bad as Chinari almost because mm-hmm. she would have her influence. But at the same time, Levana and Chinari grew up 
without any sort of parental figure present or like any kind of warmth at all from that kind of like but a mother if, if or a this father. is an indication if this is an indication of how Channery would be as a mother she doesn't seem like she would be as inactive as their mother no. exactly so i almost wonder if she wouldn't be as bad or if she would still turn out just because she would have the influence of her she would definitely be raised with a very high sense of entitlement yeah absolutely and, and that's something that Torin mentions to kai when kai is like desperate to find Celine, thinking Celine will solve everything Torin is like do you really think Celine is going to be better she's still lunar think about Celine's mother who chopped off her seamstress's feet just so she would have nothing better to do than make her dresses is that really going to be better than lavana like you're still going after a lunar and these are how lunars behave they're barbaric and savage and obviously that's a very generalized statement but if channery is any indication of how Celine might have turned out had she grown up on the moon we have no reason to believe that she would be a good kind-hearted ruler or the cinder that we got to know you know, as a disadvantaged child in New Beijing. But I don't think that's necessarily true because we see Winter grew up on Luna. That's a good point. The same environment that Celine would have been in. That's a good point. I don't think that she would have been... Yeah, I don't think that she would have been treated as well as Celine was treated by Channery. But it is a good point that she also grew up on Luna and she doesn't have that sense of entitlement. She's a good example for not making the general statement, but at the same time, it is very different. I mean, her father is Everett, who was made a prince and still continues to work as a, a humbly as a guard. Mm-hmm. But she only knew Everett for a couple years. No, Everett doesn't die until winter is like nine. Oh. Yeah. So she, she definitely got to bond and have those experiences with him. But I, I think that's a good point. But we also have to keep in mind that Celine is raised as a princess who will one day be queen. And we've already seen the constant mention that Winter is an illegitimate princess, the daughter of a seamstress and a guard. That's probably something Winter has heard her whole life, which would separate her very greatly from the, the typical royal family representation. Which, I mean... I I kind of wonder. I mean, if if would uh, sorry, but <laughs> words are difficult. They are sometimes. They wouldn't let Winter take the throne just because of that. But right. at the same time, if there w- say in theory, if there wasn't another option, would they actually allow it just because she was related? No they, even talked, no, they even talked about how if something were to happen, Lavana even mentions that if, if something were to happen to her, it would probably go to one of the families. It still wouldn't go to Winter. Mm. And they I have a superstition be- about how it has to be the bloodline. That Yeah, that's kind of where it's like if people are that superstitious, if they would go as close as they can get, or if it would be a really smooth transition Or if it would just be an all-out, some kind of civil war or something. Everybody, like, clamming for that power and fighting for it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think part of it, too, is that that maybe 
maybe that superstition was started by the Blackburn family or probably right to ensure that they would always be on the throne, but the Lunars do believe it. So I'm really not sure what the outcome would have been had, had Lavana not been an option. Maybe they would have gone to like a distant cousin or something. I didn't but but Lavana and Channery make it pretty clear that that Winter would never be queen as far as they're concerned. Yeah, which that's definitely a different situation. Than mm-hmm. I agree. To be fair, Channery also thought that she would be ruling a lot longer than she did. Right. So you can't always predict the future. Speaking of, Channery is trying to play off the fact that she's sick. Lavana makes like a joke about her dying and says that maybe she should see the doctor. And Channery is like, I'm going to change the subject and starts gossiping about this Dr. Darnell. And it turns out that Dr. Darnell had a shell baby. Which is just the most horrible thing in the world. Surprise. (laughs) Right. Like we already know this, but this is news to them. So it's like horrible. And for some reason, Lavana is like, huh, it sucks to be you guys. I mean, isn't that horrible? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's typical reaction, I guess. It's it's very lucky that, you know, a proper reaction is to put your hand over your mouth just as a, in surprise. Oh. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, was it my stars? This is just so overwhelming. <laughs> like it's the equivalent. <laughs> Yeah, meanwhile, there's a smile behind <laughs> behind it all. So, Channery mentions that a thaumaturge took the baby away, but she doesn't really remember why. She also does this while she's feeding Celine herself, which Lavana is amazed by because that's what servants are for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Channery doesn't remember what they are using the shells for, and so Lavana reminds her that there are blood platelets for the antidote to disease, and Channery is like, oh yeah, how do you remember all this stuff? And it's like, that one's not really that hard, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty big thing that's happening. Right. And again, Channery tries to sort of deflect again. She's like, how's married life? I noticed you're not pregnant yet. <laughs> hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm not pregnant yet, but it's fine. This is everything I've always wanted. We're super happy. We love each other a whole bunch. Winter definitely is my best friend, even if she... Even if she doesn't realize it yet, but yeah, yeah, we bonded and stuff. And this is where Channery mentions that she's had her sights a little higher on who she wants to marry. She's exhausted by politics with Earth and she's like, you know, I could just marry someone from the Eastern Commonwealth. Or they could marry my daughter. Interesting. <laughs> wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be adorable? A novel idea. That's it's interesting original. because this is the thought process that Lovana eventually has. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's because orig- I think her first thought was... Uh, to have the marriage between the prince and Celine, and then it turns to, nah, I can I can take the emperor for myself because yeah. you know the married emperor. <laughs> yeah, like imagine how much stronger the connection would be if if she it were the emperor her. and it was her. 
Yeah, if she married the emperor and Celine married the prince. Yeah, even more, uh, even more of a bond. Now the now the now the families are bonded forever. Yeah, that would be yeah. really weird, though. Okay, but it's monarchy. Yeah, but well, I that's part of the business, right? Because that would make they're not blood related. No. Yeah, but that would make them step siblings. By is, law only, they wouldn't be like raised together or anything. I'm not saying it's perfect, but yeah, royalty oh. often marries within itself to continue the bloodline. We've seen that throughout yeah. history, so it's not unheard of. Yeah. It's a little icky. It's, it's still a little <laughs> icky for sure. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. We're the hosts of Fictional Hangover Podcast. Fictional Hangover is a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. New episodes are released every Wednesday. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on fictionalhangover.com. Remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. Now, back to the episode. Again, we see a moment where Channery is being a good mom. She lets Celine burp on her dress and doesn't really care. She doesn't even have a cloth, a cloth to protect her. And she's like, look, I'm not planning an assassination. Just, you know, sometime, sometimes people die. <laughs> and he wouldn't be married if his wife was dead. So, you know, it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. That's a good point, Channery. And then she asks what hemisphere the earth is in. <laughs> like or what a hemisphere. What a hemisphere is, yeah. She says that she thinks the earth is nice this time of year. And Lavana is like, well, that just depends on you know what hemisphere the plant the country is in. And Channery's like, what's a hemisphere? Um, and it reminds me of myself a few months ago, I was talking to all of my sisters. We all live in different time zones. And one of my sisters mentioned mountain time. And for some reason, there's a gap in my knowledge because I was like, what the hell is mountain time? <laughs> I just learned what mountain time is. I felt so stupid. And my sisters were like, you have a bachelor's degree. And I was like, it's not in time zones. Like, time I zones? didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, don't give, know I give Channery a pass because I have my own gap in knowledge and they don't have hemispheres on the moon. So time I, zones? Give, I give Channery a pass. <laughs> that, that one's fair. No, I, I still can't wrap my head around time zones. They make no sense. Yeah, I, I don't only, get them. <laughs> I, I only know that California is two hours behind us. That could be no. wrong. No, if, you're, before if you're Eastern, then it's three hours behind you. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, and it's two hours no. behind me in Central. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Has it really been that? My uncle because, used to like, live in right California. Now, Right now it's twelve thirty in California, and it should be about three thirty your time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait. So they're they're three hours behind you. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy to keep track of, right? I, I swore that that was one that I knew. My uncle lived in California for a good chunk of time, but that was also uh, it's probably like eight years ago at this point. But I thought I still remember that at least. <laughs> Like wow. time zones just seems like a needless complication when you can just have it be the same time everywhere <laughs> yeah there's like a science behind it that i don't really care about <laughs> I, I think it's need to be measured a certain way it's not right. 
we don't need to bend the rules around time. Well, in theory, the time is based off of where you are at certain times of the day. Like we're not all in in. Oh, how do I say this without sounding stupid? Um, <laughs> every location on Earth is a certain distance from the sun. And we're not always the exact same distance at the same time. And so that's where the time zone concept comes from is that, you know, you guys will have a sunset earlier in the day than I would. Mm -hmm. It's not going to set at the exact same time because we're in different locations from the sun. That is my understanding of why we have time zones. If I just made an ass of myself, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would be... (laughs) I, I understand the logic behind that. But it doesn't but, make it less annoying. I just understand the science no. a little better. All, all I want... Questioning, huh, why is it... Why does the clock say six o'clock? It's dark out. Is so much less confusing than trying to figure out what time it is in Europe right now. I have a Patreon member who's in Romania. And we have Zoom meetings once a week on Patreon. And I always feel so bad because I'm like... What time is it there? And she's like, 3.30, and it's like 7 o'clock our time. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, sweetie, it's okay. Go to bed. Like, <laughs> like I feel bad that she is on such a different time zone than all of us. I mean, she's committed, at least, if she's willing to. She is committed. To, and if you're listening, yeah, Andrea, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know just the development of time zones and because all I all I think in my head is just a bunch of people arguing like it's four <laughs> o'clock no it's two o'clock like no, from the, all over thing is with time it's sort of like an American the way I understand it is during the 1800s people were starting for finally starting to be able to like travel between travel long distances quickly Mm-hmm. So the old system of having like each different town have their own system of measuring time obviously wasn't going to work anymore because right. they needed to schedule trains and boat rides. And so that's sort of when the whole time zone thing came into existence. I still don't understand why that was the thing they chose, though. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I get that for sure, because it's just like, mm, is this... Again, like what we talked about before, is this the hill we're going to die on? (laughs) You know? (laughs) So, let's move on a little. Channery decides that she doesn't care if Celine spits up on her dress because she's sick of her dress. Maybe she'll have her seamstress cut off her own feet so she has nothing better to do than sew and make her beautiful dresses. Perfectly. Which she does five yeah. months later. <laughs> yeah. Bummer though, because she dies immediately after. Right. Poor seamstress. And that's like a really sad line in the book. We transition and it says Queen Channery Blackburn of Luna did not have a chance to see an assassination on the earth in Empress. It turns out she dies at the age of 25, which is super young. Mm-hmm. And she died of regolith poisoning, which is almost unheard of. It's common in the outer sectors, but it's unheard of at the palace. So unheard of that when Chanray went, finally went to the doctors and said, I'm sick, they didn't even think of it. Huh. I mean, I mean, I understand the reasoning behind that. But honestly, reading that part of me was kind of like, if that's your queen, 
Why wouldn't you like you would think try that everything, got, look at yeah. everything, think of everything, yeah. like exhaust all options, even if they're super unlikely. Makes me think of President Garfield, who was assassinated. He was shot, but he wasn't killed by the bullet that shot him. He was killed by the poor medical care he received uh, after the shot. After he was shot, yeah. because they didn't practice. Um, you know, hygiene. So he got an infection and they were so desperate to remove the bullet that they basically just cut him open trying to find it. This is also how metal detectors was invented because they were trying to find a way to locate the, the bullet so that they wouldn't have to cut him open so much. It's how the air conditioner was invented because they were trying to find a way to keep him cool and relaxed so that it wasn't irritating him even more and he got a fever from the infection it was already in the middle of the summer like this is all a bunch of information if you want to learn more about it there's a book called destiny of the republic i highly recommend it it's a very good book um it explains all of this much better than i ever could yeah because george washington died of bloodletting like yeah he, he was a little bit sick and then the doctors thought let's get all that gross icky blood out of his body so i know feel- <laughs> not realizing that that's not really how it works I would almost question with, like, Garfield's, I feel like it's more likely, you know, is there a conspiracy? I feel like George Washington's time, it's just people weren't that was definitely an accident. the smartest. There kind of was a, a conspiracy because at that time in history, Europe had started practicing um, hygiene to sterilize their equipment and like their utensils and their hands because they noticed the concept of infections related to like dirty utensils. And so that's when they were like, we got to sanitize stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But American doctors were very hesitant. They didn't believe it. They thought it was all a bunch of, you know, hubbubaloo and it's so silly and <laughs> a waste of time, a waste of resources. And, you know, it didn't make any sense that, that, and now, listening to it now, we're like, well, duh, they were dirty and that's how it got infected. But that's how we were raised. Like, we know that that's where that information comes from. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of reminds me of, like, how doctors used to prescribe cocaine for <laughs> uh, sinus issues. Like, it will clear up your sinuses, I guess, but that doesn't mean there aren't other consequences. Or how doctors used to recommend smoking for your throat. Yeah. Like, oh. you know, especially menthol. Mercury to cause more, what was it, immortality? Immortality. Like, like every year I feel like we come up with new and better medical care. But what's interesting to me is that, like, like you said, they didn't exhaust all resources and all options and take absolutely everything into consideration. And how could we save the queen? They didn't test for something that was really common, common in the outer sectors, and not at the palace, but it should have still been like, aren't these the symptoms of regolith poisoning? Yeah. I mean, part of it, part of me wants to be like, oh, well, you know, she wasn't necessarily a great or attentive queen. But at the same time, then they would have to know that Levana would be their next option. Over, yeah. Which she wasn't really popular either. So then. No. Why? <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that this country, the palace especially, has a very real obsession with like appearances. And I don't necessarily just mean like your physical appearance, I mean your reputation. So the only thing I could think of is that regular poisoning is common in the outer sectors, which is like where the laborers work. 
So it's possible that they didn't think of it because they wouldn't want to insult the queen that she got this oh. disease that only affects poor people, so to speak. Right. That's the only thing I could think of. Uh, can you imagine that there is a doctor that was thinking like regulus poisoning and wouldn't say it because I don't I don't want to get beheaded and then, <laughs> well, oops, oops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm imagining I'm imagining like multiple doctors discussing what it could be, and one doctor being like, "Wait, aren't those the symptoms of regolith poisoning?" And another doctor being like, "Yeah, sure. Why don't you be the one to go and tell the <laughs> queen that she has the poor people disease? I'm gonna wait right here, and then I'll come to your funeral next week." And so the other doctor was like, "Yeah, you're right. That's what happened in my brain." But then there's that's right. But right. at the same time, they're all just like. Oh, but they're right. And then they're like, well, what do we do now? And and Channery, Levana even has a theory. Like, they're not exposed to regolith as often, so that's why it's rare in the palace. And Levana says, well, Channery was pretty promiscuous, and I know she used to sneak off into the tunnels for romantic hookups. So that's probably how she got regolith poisoning. Makes sense. Yeah. So Celine is, is one year old now, and Winter is a beautiful, beautiful baby, always getting lots of compliments. Everybody just loves Winter, which, of course, kills Levana. She can't handle it. This is something that kind of breaks my heart a little bit, just because I have a husband. Uh, at the funeral, Everett offered to work and guard the casket, but Levana was like, no, you're my husband, stand next to me. And he was like, no, I'm working because mm. duty comes first. And I get that. Um, my husband is in the military and they have a saying that service before self, self includes your family. So the military comes before anything else, including your wife. So that is a, a very hard concept to get used to when you first marry someone. Like we've been married eight years now, so I'm used to it. But I get it to a certain extent. But as a as a wife who wants my husband to, like, do things that I ask him to do, not in, like, a, I need to control my husband way, but in, like, a, you're my <laughs> partner, and if I ask for your help, I feel like you should be able to do that. So I think this would also break my heart if I was like, look, this is a, a rough time for me. You should stand by me as my husband. And then he's like, nah, I'm going to go to work, babe. <laughs> it's kind like, of like. <laughs> It was surprising and not because on one hand, you know, Everett's thinking that he was going to be, he didn't imagine that he'd end up being a technical prince. He just imagined right. that he's going to be a guard to the royal family and that's right. his duty and that's like his respect is to guard the queen's casket. But at the same time, it was surprising just because he is so kind and you would think that part of him would be like, you know, her sister just died, you know, I mean... Maybe I should uh, stick around this time. I don't know. He says duty comes first. So so Sir Clay's there. He's with Celine and Winter. And their son is four years old now. And, and Celine and Winter are trying to, like, hide and play and goof off. But they're too young to really understand what's going on. You know, they're just they're just kids. They just want to have fun. And Lavana still sort of has to play her role. And she does. She pretends to cry. She pretends to be really sad. 
But really, she's about to get everything she ever wanted because Queen Selene is one year old. She cannot rule until she's 13, which means for the next 12 years, Lavana will be queen. And I love how this ends. She tried very, very hard not to smile until the funeral was over. Lavana's kind of a bad person. Have we mentioned that? I feel like we've mentioned that. Should we keep talking about that? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's that's how our chapter ends. The Lavana is like, oh no, my sister. Not to be fair, her and her sister weren't close, and her sister was yeah. evil and mean. But at the same time, like her reaction to her sister dying is like, hell yeah, I'm queen, bitches. <laughs> so that's a little insensitive. But she has the decency to be like, all right, well, I'm not gonna like celebrate until she's buried. I'm not heartless. And it's like mm, you still kind of are, but okay. Because again, she's doing this for appearances, not because she feels guilty about being happy. Yeah, there, it's not done at all out of respect. I mean, for all you know, she's not even fully pretending to cry or anything. She just has the glamour right. of sad face. And meanwhile, she's like glowing behind it. Yeah. So what were your chapter titles for this one? Let's talk about those. All right. Like My Mother Does, which um, here here's the thing. We were talking about music earlier. And I don't have a very broad um, music genre knowledge, if that <laughs> makes sense. Right. Um, so I kind of went more based on song titles than anything else, which what I ended up thinking was just how uh, every, you know, Chinari was so keen on everyone, like, cooing when she was pregnant and, you know, saying hoping that her daughter would be just like her and you know just as beautiful and gracious and just the idea that of how much praise Celine received to be just like Janari. Mm-hmm. I agree. I just I just want to intervene real quick and say I know they're very similar but yours was Mother Like Mine by the band Perry. We have similar brains. Yes. <laughs> we came with two very similar songs. Which is why you got them a little confused. Yeah, well, I mean... It, it works for either one, though. It does, and I feel like it kind of plays off of it well, just because a lot of the that section, the quote-unquote chapter, is focused on the fact that you know, there's a now a princess and Snarry's a mom. And that's, you know, very surprising. The fact that she's actually acting like a mom. And I just that section seems to have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I agree. It does. Yeah, And then um, I went with the uh, Like My Mother Does by Lauren Elena. And that one's sort of it's like it's about a mother daughter relationship that is like significantly more positive than any that are shown in this book. But I think it's, I don't know. I think it's sort of interesting when you think about like, like we've been saying the traits that have been passed down from like Channery to Celine and their parents to Channery and Lavana, mm-hmm. and like the whole, like 
because like Levanas, even though she doesn't like Channery or respect Channery or think she's any good as a queen, there's still a little bit of either jealousy or jealousy mixed with admiration for just like how effortlessly beautiful Channery is and mm-hmm. how she has everything that Levana wants. Including and, the love of her child. Exactly. Which which Levana has yet to have from Winter. Or, and then there's the whole deal of Levana basically trying to assume Solstice's identity. Yes. She's his wife. She's Winter's mother. Um, she literally takes her face. And I just think that goes along with like the lyrics of the song about like being like the mother and like trying to strive to be more like that. Yeah, I agree. So I chose Centuries by Fall Out Boy. Probably my favorite band. If I have to pick a favorite band, it's Fall Out Boy. If I have to pick a favorite artist, it's obviously Tay-Tay. Of course. <laughs> this song came to my mind whenever, for two reasons. One, when they announced that Channery died. And then two, when Lovano was like, I'm queen, bitches. <laughs> I love this song and the lyrics really stand out and resonate with both Channery's desire to be the queen that never stopped laughing and Lavana's desire to be the best queen ever. And especially the line, some legends are told, some turn to dust. That would be Channery because she dies or to gold. And that would be Lavana because eventually she succeeds in becoming queen. And obviously everyone is going to remember Lavana, whether she succeeds or not at being the super duper best queen ever. She definitely solidified her place in history where people will still be talking about her um, for a very long time. And so just a, a really great song that I loved. And like I said, it, it, I thought about it a lot during my reading of this chapter. It's definitely. Well, as soon as you said that, my mind went to the line um, where Chanery's talking to the party planning committee or whatever. I want them to talk about it for generations. Is that yes, awesome? absolutely. See, that's some... We were talking earlier about how people can put playlists and song. I'm unfortunately not one of those people. Like, when I say that I looked, like, it went song title above anything just because... I wonder I if know. I should send you some of my playlists because I have so many playlists, it's ridiculous. I'd be very open to that. I honestly, I I never considered myself a fan of like certain genres. And then my, the friend I mentioned earlier that seems to have a gift for making playlists when she sent, there was a lot of music in there that I wouldn't typically listen to. And yet I thoroughly enjoy it just because it was put together so well. Right. Like Taylor Swift alone has like six playlists because you know, there's one for, I have one called Taylor Badass for when I'm in the mood to listen to, like, <laughs> that kind of song. I have one that's Taylor Love, which is obviously, like, her happy songs. I have one that's Reputation Run, so it's all the songs from Reputation that I listen to when I go for a run. And that's, like, not even a nail in the coffin of what my playlist genre is like. So, yeah, I'll, I'll send some of them. <laughs> I was say, any you're interested in sharing, I would not mind. I need to... <laughs> of it <laughs> so let's talk about our chapter quotes okay um eddie do you want to go first i do um okay so i have as the months passed lavana came to feel like there must be some conspiracy against her from page 122 
Uh, I really like this quote because it's sort of like a thesis statement for the book as a whole. Like, Levana's whole deal is she's delusional and paranoid, and that leads her to do things like take control of Everett's brain to get with him and consider murdering babies. Right. So I just think that's, a little, that's like a good little line to put in there. Just like tie everything together. It's not funny. I hate that. Like, <laughs> I started laughing at like the like they're not funny things. It's just how bluntly and randomly downplaying the comedy of dead babies a little bit. Right? No, <laughs> that's that that's your humor. <laughs> you have dark humor. I do not. <laughs> I do not have dark humor. Okay. Well, I mean, it's okay to have dark humor. I mean, these Lavana story kind of has a lot of dark humor in it. So, oh no, absolutely, yeah. I'm not knocking it. Just... <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I yeah. just don't. Do it. Maybe, whatever. <laughs> Evelyn, what was your quote? Um, I went with at first. I thought why he might be a perfect little match for my perfect little girl from when they're on the balcony and talking about, um. The, the prince the, that is currently a toddler. And I don't know. I just, my reaction to it was just kind of, like, it wasn't a huge plot of, like, the major point of that section. But mm-hmm. I got kind of excited reading it for no reason. Or just, like, you know, a little <laughs> happy bubble inside. So I was like, that's foreshadowing. Because it doesn't happen the intended way. But it still happens. Right? Like, Kai and Cinder do kind of have a romance going on right now, so... Yeah, that's one of them them their Easter eggs we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it just already happened because li- time is linear, and this is technically in the past. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even though it's book to... 3.5. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's right? so cool how they did that. How, like... <laughs> You get Lin- you get Lavana's backstory. You get Winter. You get Celine and everything, right before the final book. I think that's really yeah. Cool. It's perfect. I read Ferris after I finished the series, so I completely I forgot that that's how. I was nervous to read it because, despite the fact that I adore Marissa, I was like, "No, Lavana is a good villain. I do not want a redemption arc for her. Like, <laughs> let her stay fun. evil." And then I mentioned that to one of my Patreon members, and they were like, "This is not a redemption arc. I guarantee it." And I was like, "Okay, I will read it then." Um, and of course, I ended up loving it because it's not a redemption arc. You understand Lavana a little better, but she still be evil. I feel like the biggest understanding is the fact that they just on the one page and like one line mentioned that, you know, you shouldn't use your gift on a child because then it's just, oh, that's what's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So my quote was, she'd hoped he would agree to stand by her side to be her husband, but it didn't work to him. And duty came first. And I already talked about it, so I won't go into too much detail, but just I read I related in that moment because my husband's job also comes first so I get it I would also be like why can't you stay by me and he'd be like because that's not how it works and I'd be like okay (laughs) you know (laughs) please remember that Prince Kai Fan Pod is a free podcast and always will be if you'd like to show your support for the show head over to patreon.com slash Prince Kai Fan Pod patreon allows you to get extra perks and behind the scenes bonuses for only one dollar a month 
If you can't join Patreon but would still like to show your support because you just love the show so much, head over to coffee.com slash princekaipampod. That's K-O hyphen F-I dot com slash princekaipampod and leave a one-time only tip. Your support will help me bring you more TLC and Marissa Meyer content that you know and love. Now, let's get back to the episode. So let's take a moment and plug Stains on a Page podcast. Where can everybody find you and your podcast? Uh, um, so, <laughs> sorry. You want to take this one? <laughs> yeah, see, see, uh, all right. Let's see if I can. Um, we've been on a mini hiatus. Uh, ex- not mini, but exams suck. They do. Um, I'm in grad school. I totally get it. Yeah, it's been it's been just a busy kind of chaotic couple months for both of us for different reasons. So but we are in the process of finally coming back and getting on other platforms because right now our actual podcast can be found on a website called Sounder. And this is true. Exactly two people have ever used this website and it's us. I listened to your (laughs) your heartless episode. Yeah, that was really cool. The fact that, Thank yeah, you. just that's why we're actually, um, because we, we, I, I took a bunch of notes when we met with you before, yeah, of how to get it to other platforms, and we just never got, yeah, because we out. had a, we had a meeting, we had a Zoom meeting, and I, I was like trying to answer podcast questions for you guys. It was so nice. Like I still Aww. appreciate. I honestly <laughs> felt really out like that. Yeah, I, I try really to be helpful if I can, nice. because like I remember when I first started podcasting, I was so overwhelmed and so confused. So now when I meet new people to podcasting, I'm like, I will help if I can. <laughs> the fact that we kind of like things went downhill and went on a hiatus like really shortly after I felt really bad because like she just gave us all this information and we really <laughs> want to use it. And we're not yet. But we are now because we're coming back. And let it sit for a little bit. Right. Well, sort of. Um, The only thing that's been active currently is there is a stains on a page instagram account um that's just stains on a page and uh eddie and i have personal bookstagrams that are relatively new so it will either be soap underscore evelyn or soap underscore eddie which eddie's bio is much more fun than mine (laughs) I need to, am I not following your individual ones? I feel like I should be. I'm gonna look it up. Soap. Yeah, are just there, the acronym. Are there soap. periods between the letters for soap? I don't remember. There's there periods in between, but I feel like if you just search soap and then it, I feel like it'll come up the same, as long as it's still like Evelyn and Eddie. I don't even remember what my bio is. Uh, something along the lines of like reader eater. Uh. Derek Jeter, something. <laughs> Bottom feeder. That was another one. Yeah. His, I just had like a fun. really dumb moment because I was like, why soap? Yeah. No, and that's then not. I started typing it out and I was like, stains on a page. I get it. It's not dumb. It took us forever to put it together. And then after, like, we had already been recording for a couple months and all of a sudden it like we were like oh you know let's look at personal bookstagrams because there's books that i'll read that he's not really into and vice versa and we're trying to think of matching names at least 
And I was like, all right, well, what's the acronym? And we finally put it together. It's like, we are SOAP. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have realize. like a, I don't have one that rolls off the tongue. Mine's not easy. It's PKFP. And like, I know other podcasts I listen to that I love, or it's like, um, you know, like, like I love best of friends podcast and they go, they're like BOF. And I'm like, see, that would be really easy. And mine's like, PKFP. Like, <laughs> so what I mean, I've noticed is that a, a lot of people have started saying like, my sister Lindsay has been on a, a lot of Patreon episodes, but just like one or two episodes on the podcast. And she always says that like, Prince Guy Fan Pod, like it's an announcement. So what I've noticed is a lot of people, when they say it out loud, they use her intonation now, which I think is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I can. It definitely fits really well thinking about it. I mean, yeah. we figured out that it was soap and we kind of thought about it for a second. Um, If you go check out our podcast, our her thing is uh, tacos, which um, go find the explanation because it's it's yeah. Anyway, that's what we use. But then we're like, what do we use soap for? And we just don't <laughs> because we have no idea what to do with it. I rate this book four soaps out of five. I like that. Oh. <laughs> We're oh, trying. <laughs> you know what? You know how I come up with like chapter titles based on songs. You guys yeah. could come up with episode titles based on soap. So you could get done <laughs> reading. So Heartless would be like a lemon bar, right? <gasps> you know. Oh my god! Oh, wait. He's like, let me oh, read this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just had the same thought. Oh, that's clever. See, this is. Yeah, that I, I think no, there's no end to the weird names that people have for soaps. Right? Like this could yeah. be so much fun. Yeah. And you could have like listeners send in suggestions and stuff. That would be stains on the page at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I'm down for this. Eventually someday if you guys get to be like super successful, you could start making like bars of soap too and sell them as merchandise. I've come up with a whole marketing plan for you in 20 seconds. <laughs> well, that's what we ended up talking about with the taco thing. When we had yes, I forgot about tacos. Yes. The taco ratings. and I'm actually planning on making enchiladas for dinner, too. So that worked out kind of well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't... Well, soap and tacos don't really go together. It's the only thing. Yeah, but but it could be like a, tacos. it could be like a, like a chili pepper scented candle <laughs> or something. <laughs> the uh, soap could be yeah. like chili, chili pepper or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think the only thing we started talking about with soap originally, originally was because we were trying to think of if we could, like we have an intro, but right. it was like, you know, well, it's kind of, well, it's welcome back listeners. And we were like, you know, could we think of, of a name? For you know, people have different based on the name. And so I tell us at stains on a page at gmail.com. Let us know what we should call our fan base. And <laughs> ooh, what about for- bubbles? Well, that's bubbles. Ooh. So it could be like, I rate this book four out of five bubbles. That makes a lot more. I think I ended up jokingly saying like soapies, and he knocked me, <laughs> he knocked it down right away. I was like, I was kidding, but geez, wow. I didn't want to let that get past the like st- original stage. He didn't even <laughs> like. We don't need other it. people to hear this. He didn't even like. I didn't even get a like. I was kidding, but I didn't even get a laugh. He just immediately was like, "No." <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> 
Well, I hope that lots of my listeners will take the time to email and come up with ideas, especially my Patreon team. We have a meeting tonight, so maybe I'll send you guys the Zoom link and you can come in and suggest it and see what people say. (laughs) Honestly, I'd be okay with that. Although it's at 8 p.m. my time, so that would be 9 your time. So I don't know if that's too late for you guys, but yeah. Um, I might be okay. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. We shall see, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Thank you both so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. And I hope that um, all of my listeners love the soap talk and come up with super fun (laughs) ideas for us. Um, (laughs) Listeners, don't forget to check out Prince Kai Fan Pod everywhere. Rate, review, subscribe, and follow. And of course, think about joining Patreon. It's only a dollar and you get to be guests on an episode. And I think that's it. So... Keep reading, keep listening. Please don't get glamoured, especially by Lavana. <laughs> Bye. The best advice. The passages read for you today are from Fairest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guests were Evelyn and Eddie from Stains on a Page podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo, And the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening.